It was beauty that killed the beast. It was pretty... Giving this movie a lot more depth than it totally deserves, Steve says. Oh yeah, it was not a deep movie at all, Ellen agrees. Alright everyone, welcome back to the Royville Movie House. We have just gotten out of the theater and all of my popcorn has been eaten, so I guess it's time to review a bad movie. Ega! <laughs> yes, Ega. Uh, 1962 um, release date. Uh, the four main characters, which are really the only four characters in the movie are Tom, played by Arch Hall Jr., Roxy, played by Marilyn Manning, Ega, played by the great Richard Keel. Which, if everybody uh, can remember, he played Jaws in James Bond. Also, Happy Gilmore's boss that fired him at the beginning of the movie. Yes, yes. Um, and lastly, Mr. Miller, played by none other than Arch Hall Sr. So Arch Hall Jr. and Arch Hall Sr.? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Um, keep with me here. The director of this fine piece of cinema is Arch Hall Sr. Ah, I'm getting a bigger picture here. The writers are Bar... <laughs> Bob Welling for the screenplay and Arch Hall Sr.? Yes. All right. As the original story. So the synopsis is, according to IMDb, one sentence. Teenagers stumble across a prehistoric caveman who goes on a rampage. That's pretty good for what the movie was, even though it was a musical. <laughs> it, it's uh it was interesting wasn't it? well not really um so we're going to talk about the plot which is teenagers stumble across a prehistoric caveman i'm gonna and... all right all right i'm gonna nutshell this one basically they were gonna go to a party the main female character happens upon a caveman who is referred to as a giant, and they go to investigate. They decide, well, her father decides he's going to go in a very horrible outfit to the desert with no water to search for this giant. He gets captured. They go to, the two teenagers go to find him. She gets captured. There's a... Keystone Cops, kind of them driving away in their doom buggy from the giant. She has Stockholm Syndrome for being with the giant for about... A day. A day. And then there's a party at the end of the movie where the giant comes back, a la King Kong-esque, to find the teenage girl... And take her away, and then cops shoot him. That's the movie in a nutshell. 
We might elaborate on some, but that is seriously all you need to know, except the musical interludes. Yes. Musical interludes. Yes. Tom is the lead guitarist and singer for a teenage band. And they really swing. They do. Uh, I guess. Anyway, so Arch Hall Jr. plays the magical guitar that plays guitar, bass, whistles, and also, I think, somehow has backup singers inside of it. Hmm. Um, one of the rev- the user reviews on IMDb actually talked about this magical guitar. I mean, what's better than having your best girl curled up in a bedroll on your tricked out dune buggy in the middle of the desert is when you pull out your magical guitar and sing a song honoring Valerie, which is not your girl's name, and then tell your girl when you like to know when she asks who Valerie is. Yeah, yeah. It was really weird because it wasn't like it was a musical, really. It was basically, there were moments almost like it was kind of one of those Elvis Presley movies where they're not really a musical, but there are scenes in the movies where he just kind of sings. And, and people listen. And it didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. No, I mean, it, it was it was obviously his character. He was a part of a band and stuff. But it could have totally been nothing um, that pertained to the movie. I mean, obviously, we went over the plot pretty quickly. And none of it needed musical interludes, really. Like, nothing. At all. Yeah. At all. None of them. Uh, so, there's the plot. I think we don't have to dwell that much on the plot. No, no. All right, so Tom, as far as like characters, the teenage boy. Yes, who looks a little bit like I don't know Mickey Dolan. We kept trying to figure out who this kid looked like. It was either Mickey Dolan's. I thought he might have looked like a young Kurt Russell, like really young Kurt Russell, with still baby know. fat on his face. Yeah, with still a little baby fat on his face. It was just weird. He. He did tickle your like the back of your brain, like you should know this kid. Right, right. But anyway, so Tom works at a gas station and dates Roxy, who lives at the club, evidently. The basically the place where rich, like the country club. But she lives there, is what he said at the beginning. Well, that's my yeah. girl. She lives at the club, which is weird, but okay. Um. And he really likes his dune buggy. Yeah, he kept, there was a, they needed to go out and investigate this giant. And he kept bringing up, well, I could take my dune buggy. They're like, no, we're going to take this helicopter. But my dune buggy. So, yeah, he was, and then basically the dune buggy was the Beverly Hillbillies truck without the back. Yeah. So he must have uh, built it himself. Maybe yeah, that's yeah. Why. he definitely probably built it himself. And that's why maybe why he kept pushing to use it because he was really proud of it because he built it himself. So I think probably Arch Hall Jr. had built this doom buggy 
and he convinced his dad that he would get paid to drive it around in the desert. Sure. But all I kept thinking was, would you just shut up about the dune buggy? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, he, the dune buggy had a spot for his shovel and a spot for his shotgun. And the bedrolls were that he brought were those covers that they put on furniture when you're putting it in storage. Like the quilted stuff that like U-Haul gives you to put over your stuff when it's in the trunk. Yeah, and his girlfriend is wrapped up in it. I don't know. I used to work uh, with uh, beer kegs, and we would wrap those around the beer kegs to keep them cold. And I just was like, man, that girl, poor girl, she is in the dirt. But anyway. um, That's about all we need to know about Tom. So, on to the next character. um, Roxy. Roxy. I mean, let's well, let's talk about Roxy second to last because I think Roxy and the giant, the caveman, okay. kind of go together. So let's talk about Tom's Mr. dad. No, it's yeah. not Tom's dad. Actually, it's Roxy's. Oh, dad. Roxy's dad. I'm but sorry. I mean, in real life, it's Tom's dad. Right, but in fake life, <laughs> it is Roxy's dad. Yeah, Mr. Miller. Yes. Who. Who goes out into the desert with the outfit that the Spaceball guy wore in Spaceballs. The one with the big helmets. Oh, Darth and Helmet, the, the yeah. the romper thing. Only it was white. At least Darth... Only this one least, was white, At yeah. least Darth Helmet was khaki. Right, true, true. But yeah, it totally reminded me of that. It was, he goes out into the desert with this white... Romper. Desert romper thing and the... pith helmet. Pith helmet. I'm like, seriously, this guy is not prepared. Oh, and by the way, he goes out into the desert with... For four days. Four days, for four days with no water. But his shaving kit. But his full shaving kit with shaver, with scissors. cream, and scissors. Because that's what you need when you go out into the desert. Aspirin. Not water. Well, and, and aspirin, yes. But no water. That's I correct. started to check out then, even though the movie up until that point was considered to me boring. Okay. Um, Mr. Miller also is superhuman because he broke his collarbone and can still use it to support himself when he gets up off the ground. Yeah, it seemed to me that uh, they had written something like that into the movie and then decided that it would be actually too much for the actor, who was also the writer and the director, um, to actually play that out. They just kept kind of referring to it, but... Well, when he didn't want his daughter to touch him, he would be like, careful, careful. Right. My collar then, you know, broken. when he <laughs> was using that arm to pick himself up and get beaten by the giant, he wasn't screaming in absolute agony and pain. That's right. So, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. He also... Um, was a very smart man because in order to prove the existence of giants, he quoted Genesis. Yeah, true. Twice. Yes, true. Very Trying to make the movie a little deep. Yeah. Trying to give it a little uh, gravitas. 
And there there was a time when giants roamed the earth. That is what he quoted. Yes. Well, yeah. That one yeah. sentence. <laughs> yes. There was a cool scene, though, and you even referenced, or you even mentioned it, where they do get into a helicopter, the, uh, the father and the pilot, and they're going over the mountains, mm-hmm. and all I heard was the MASH theme. So that was actually kind of cool because it kind of brought me back to a show that I actually enjoyed. <laughs> so it was the it, movie it, has that. It does have that. And it also has that really good comedic scene, but that's later. We can talk about that after we're done with the characters. Yeah, so the movie did help in making it so that I forgot that I was watching a piece of crap. So that's Mr. Miller. Honestly, that's Mr. Miller. I, I don't know. Yeah, what, I mean, not, once again, this movie isn't, it tries to be deep and we'll get into the end where it does try to kind of wrap this up in, in a very um, kind of emotional um, moment for the characters. Um, but other than that, yeah, there's really not much to that character. He doesn't even have a real name. Literally, he is listed as... Mr. Miller. Well, he doesn't yeah. have a first name. Yeah, well. They could have killed him, according to Star Trek rules. Well, Mr. though. Yeah, true, true. But he wasn't wearing red at any point. So, and he wasn't wearing tan gold. Maybe that's why he was wearing white, because he didn't want to get killed. Maybe. All right, so moving right along, let's go ahead and go with Roxy, and then we'll do... And then we'll do the title what character. we assume the character is Ega, because um, we don't understand his language, so if he says a word a lot, it must be his name. Which is weird, because... Not penis. It's his name. But, but we go around saying our names all the time, just yeah. because. Ellen. Yeah. Steve. So, Steve, yes. <laughs> I speak about myself in the third person a lot. And so, obviously, probably cavemen do because they are less smart than me. All right. But we can talk about that when we're talking about Ega. <laughs> but Roxy. Roxy's... Roxy's a teenage girl. Yes. There you go. And that's all we need to know about her. Um, just kidding. Um, she does kind of... I mean, she obviously likes her boyfriend. Uh, she is a teenage girl. She sees something crazy on the road, sees the giant. She goes back, and everybody's like, oh, you're just being hysterical. We didn't think you saw what you saw. But uh, eventually she talks her father into going out and to investigate. She eventually, with Tom, then she gets captured by... The giant, and you kind of see this weird, like, oh, I love my father. Oh, I'm trying to escape, but not escape. And then she quickly, quickly starts to get this Stockholm syndrome. I mean, it's only a day. She I don't know if it's Stockholm syndrome. It. I don't know if Stockholm syndrome's the right word for it, but she definitely starts to feel sympathy for. The king yeah, man. true. Because he's he is all by himself. And actually, you saw me. I was kind of feeling bad at some points, where I'm just like, "You're making him cry." <laughs> like it made me feel bad. But I guess Stockholm syndrome would be a good one. But I mean, I don't think she was like in love with him. But I mean, like, yeah, there was some definite like. 
Yeah, because there is a point where she's shaving her father in Ega's cave for whatever reason. Because it would make him feel better. Yeah, because it would make him feel better, you know, even though he was totally fine with his broken... Collarbone. Collarbone. Anyway. <laughs> um, and then we need to distract the giant. Because if we don't distract the giant, he's going to do bad things to her. Uh, is is what you kind of gather. So to distract the giant, she gives him a nice shave. You know, gets a little hot water, suds him up, shaves him down, and he looks then for what she believes is kind of an attractive guy. Because, you know, it's kind of the... Even though this movie wasn't from the 80s, it's kind of the 80s thing where, oh my God... That woman is ugly because she has overalls and glasses on. But then if she just gets a simple makeover, she looks like a supermodel. Yeah, it, it is odd because I, I've seen James Bond and I've seen Happy Gilmore. And I never in a million years would have thought Richard Keel was handsome. But I guess he was, kind of. I mean... He definitely was not an ugly man. And this is when he was very, very young. This is 1962. So, I don't know. He probably was in his early 20s at this point. He definitely looked that. But anyway, so they escape. Not before Iga basically rips her clothes off. Starts to rip her clothes off. You obviously get the idea that he's going to have his way with her. And then Tom shows up. Uh, or her father tries to escape, tries to do something to him. He literally throws him against the rocks. Ega, the giant, throws her father against the rocks, beats on him, but he's still okay, people. Let's he's still not, fine. Yeah, he's still fine. He's got a, a broken collarbone, but he took a couple aspirins, so he should be good. Two, though. Two. He took two. It was bad pain. It was bad pain, so he took two. <laughs> and so they get him away. Tom tries to shoot at the giant. Who in Miss, turn breaks his shot? Right. Who in turn breaks? He misses um, pretty much point blank range. And then Ega breaks his uh, gun in half. There's a little fight. He gets and knocked then, out. Tom gets knocked out. Tom gets knocked out. Immediately, pretty much gets back up. Throws a rock at Ega, and totally destroys Ega. I guess for uh, a minute or two because there's a there's the ability for Tom and his girlfriend Roxy to have a little moment where they're talking back and forth with the giant pretty much laying right next to them. And I want this noted. The rock did not hit Ega in the head or in the crotch. Hit him in the waist. In the waist, people. And it knocked him out. So if you are ever fighting a caveman, keep in mind that his weak point is the lower part of his torso, which is a very important thing to remember because it's easier to hit than, say, the head or the crotch. Just a heads up. So... As we're talking, so then we're talking about Roxy. So then they take her out of there and they take her back to civilization, take her back to town. However, she's having these thoughts of that she pities the giant, that she 
hopes he's okay. What'll happen. What'll happen to him. And then the giant comes to town looking for her. And that's, I think, where we will switch to... Oh, he tracked her by a scented handkerchief that she had. Yes, yes. Uh, that, that is key to know. That's, that's how he went directly to her house by way of a drunk's house, which we can move on to EGOT from there. Yeah, so EGOT, basically, you see some mummified... Ancestors. Ancestors, her. you assume, based off of what her Roxy's father says. And you get the idea through the course of the film that he is actually maybe one of the descendants of the biblical giants. He might be a couple hundred years old, which a couple hundred years old. And there's only like five ancestors in the cave. So really how... It kind of makes a. It definitely makes the whole they're the biblical giants kind of a dumb comment to me. Well, we don't know how old they get to be. I mean, this could be like a Methuselah type situation where each each of his ancestors lived like seven hundred years, so five generations wouldn't actually be outlandish. But I might be reading way too much into a very simple story. And it could just be that the guy. Just lives in the desert. And he's just very tall. Yes. So, yeah. So, anyway. So, he follows her to... And and honestly, uh, he says some gibberish uh, baby talk. He says... Ega. He says ega quite a bit. But once again, well, he says ega a lot. So, that must be his name. Anyway, Steve says that he... Steve! (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, okay, all all comedy aside. Steve says that Ega goes to uh, find Roxy. Um, He goes into the town and is searching for her, finds the party that Tom and Roxy are at, and goes to basically fight off some of the teenagers, throws some of them into the pool, and then grabs Roxy, is starting to take her away. The police show up, shoot him to death. And he falls in the pool. He falls into the pool. And then Roxy has this moment... And all I could think of, which makes it, maybe this is what they were going for, I'm not sure, but all I could think of was, it was beauty that killed the beast. It was pretty... Giving this movie a lot more depth than it totally deserves, Steve says. Oh yeah, it was not a deep movie at all, Ellen agrees. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, uh, top right. 50 of all time, top 50 worst movies of all time. This one, um, there were a few moments that I actually genuinely sort of enjoyed. There was that scene um, 
randomly when he's coming into civilization, there were two parts of it. He finds a swimming pool. He tries to drink out of it. And spits it out because it's chlorinated water. And then he tries it again. And spits it out because it's chlorinated water. And I laughed because he looked like he was going to try it again. Because they're times a charm. But then the, uh, the, the people who own the pool, their dog came out and started barking at him. So he goes to hide. Well, then the couple comes out of the house and... The, the the guy is, is drunk. Like, obviously slurring. 1962 drunk is like the guy from Andy Griffith, the Andy Griffith show. I can't remember his Otis. name. Otis. Yeah, it's like... Otis the town drunk, Steve every, says. Every drunk that's in every movie in the 60s is drunk that same way. So he comes out, Otising it up. And his wife's like, give me the keys. You're t- you've had enough. And he said, I'll tell you when I've had enough. And she takes the, and he swears he's only had one drink. And she takes the bottle out of his jacket and says, one bottle. And throws the bottle. So the guy goes after the bottle as his wife goes off to get in the car. And he sees Iga from his very large feet to his knees up to his face. Iga doesn't do anything threatening. He just looks down at him. He takes another sip from the bottle and goes over to his wife and hands her the keys and says, you're driving. I've had enough. I did genuinely laugh. That was funny. But it was the only point of the movie. Now, granted, Ellen laughed. Steve didn't think it was that funny. (laughs) Ellen did laugh. And Ellen thinks that things are funny a lot where Steve does not think so. I really thought that the hour and a half, and and this movie is pretty much literally an hour and a half long, is I just thought it was a waste of time. The only part that Steve liked about this was the moment where I remembered watching MASH. I mean, seriously, that was it. It looked like it might have been the same mountain that they shot that opening segment. Because, I mean, that was part of the pilot episode of MASH. We can talk about MASH instead. (laughs) Well, we probably shouldn't. All right. Well, to sum up, the four main characters, well, the the only four characters, pretty much, are Tom, who plays the guitar, Roxy, who's a teenage girl, Mr. Miller, who is Roxy's dad and... Maybe an anthropologist? I They never really said why he was the one who had to go investigate this. He just this. wanted a reason to wear his white romper. Okay. And then Iga, who was a caveman. And we expounded on all of those, but that's pretty much all they represented in the movie. Those four, those four stereotypes. Yeah, I really think that Stephen Ellen uh, talked about this movie way more than it deserved. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's very likely. Um, Once again, kind of like the Swinging Cheerleaders, uh, this movie is just something to forget. It, it was boring. Like, I just, I don't think that it deserves to be on the worst movies. It just deserves to be one of those movies that came oh, yeah. out and you just forget. Or, like or one of those you that know, you say, oh, yeah. Jaws was in that movie about the caveman, right? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. So, However, there was a point, and I was going to bring it up earlier, and I totally forgot. See, I'm already forgetting the movie. Um, 
one of Tom's friends just comes out of the blue and hits on Roxy, like, in the last five minutes of the movie. Yeah, that was odd. I mean, that didn't do anything for Steve. It was weird. It was bad writing, but the whole movie had that. Yeah. It was just so... I had to throw that out there because it wasn't just bad writing because he was writing about a caveman and very not deep characters, but it was bad writing because he couldn't decide how to end the movie and a random punch from a, from a bandmate was how he was going to end the movie. It was, it was just bad writing all the way around. The reason that I was excited about watching this movie, uh, when we announced that it was our next bad movie, um, when we reviewed the swinging cheerleaders was because the only way I've seen this movie is with the riff track from MST3K. And it is a very, very funny riff. Uh, now I know that I will never watch the movie Egon. Ega. Ooh. Sorry, Ghostbusters. I will never watch the movie Ega without watching it with some sort of riff going on because it is boring it was there were a few uh, wtfs there were a few why am i even doing this to myself moments (laughs) there were quite a few of those actually uh so it was really bad so that's Characters and plot. So now we move on to, does this deserve to be on the bad list? We well, already kind of covered it. Yeah, I already kind of covered that. I mean, it doesn't... It's a forgettable movie. I've forgotten most of it already. Agreed. However, it is a very badly written movie, so that's probably why it ended up on the list. And the musical interludes, which were weird again bad writing but it just emphasized the bad writing so that's probably why it ended up there um so so that is Stephen ellen's review of encino mail and what is our next film well coming soon to the royville movie house we have our next in the list of the good ones uh Our next movie is The Searchers, which is number 12 from 1956. I believe this is a Western movie starring John Wayne. And then our next in the list of The Bad Ones is 1971's Dracula vs. Frankenstein. We actually get to watch a real monster movie. Actually, that might be... I might be a little excited for that one, so we'll see. Um... All right, well, it looks like Steve sees the lamps of the Royville are being lit, so our time is about up here. If you liked this movie, why? Please tell us. Yes, please comment below. If you didn't like this movie, also comment below. If you would like to listen to more of our reviews of good movies and bad movies, please subscribe. Other than that, that has been our review of Encino Mail. This is Steve. And Ellen. Remember, my name is Steve. My name is Ellen. All right. Thank you very much and have a good night. Bye.